The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. All right, good evening to those here who are here in person and those who are joining us now online. Uh, we'll continue this evening in the book of Galatians. I looked uh, on the website back at the last time I was here just for interest's sake and uh, the last time we were here in this study was December 11th, so it's been over a month now that we've been here, so I hope uh, your memory is perhaps even better than mine as far as where we last were, but I did refresh myself, don't worry, uh, where we were last, and hopefully you can join in me, join me in those thoughts and remembrance of what, where we've been and where we're going. Tonight we're going to be in chapter 6, the last chapter of the book of Galatians, Paul's letter that is to uh, the region of Galatia, in which were probably many churches where this letter would be sent and read and, uh, and heard by those who were in those churches. Galatians chapter 6, though, verses 11 through 18, an ambitious portion of text. I don't think we're going to make it all the way. In fact, I know we're not, but uh, I'll at least cover some length. And I'll let you know where we're going so that you know the continuity of this portion of Paul's letter and can understand that. But uh, in the last section in which we were, which was back uh, beginning in verse 6 all the way through verse 10, Paul addressed the importance of doing good to one another, especially to those who are a part of the body of Christ. You see that there uh, in verse 9 and 10 where Paul writes, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially, that is, to those who are of the household of faith. Now back up just a few verses to verses 7 and 8. Paul notes that uh, you will sow, you will reap what you sow, that you will reap what you sow. Paul is specifically talking about salvation in these verses. He says in verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also will reap. Whereas those who sow to the Spirit uh, will reap everlasting life. We see this in verse 8. That is, those who sow to the flesh will reap Corruption, that is literally uh, degeneration, corruption, judgment, destruction, everlasting torment. Verse 8, Paul says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But in contrast, we see, he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life or everlasting life. So whereas those who sow to the flesh reap corruption, that is, uh, condemnation, those who sow to the Spirit, that is, those who have been made alive by the Spirit and do and reap good works according to the Spirit or by the Spirit will reap everlasting life because they have experienced his regeneration, his work of regeneration in their life. And live accordingly. Furthermore, as we said just a moment ago, uh, the difference between a person who does good 
just for the sake of boasting versus those who do good for the sake of Christ uh, will be motivated by the right reasons. For a believer, the motivation for doing good ought not to be to attract attention or fame or superiority in the church or praise from men. Rather, the motivation should be for uh, the glory of Christ, the good of others, and as Paul writes in verse 10, especially for those who are in the household of faith. Those who, do mo- who are motivated to do good things or good works for the wrong reason are motivated by pride. God does not reward on that basis. The Christian should not become weary in good doing because he is not receiving any attention for his good deeds. He should be doing good deeds because it glorifies his Father in heaven. And Paul's point is simple. Do good and know that God will reward you for your deeds. We see this in verse 9, where Paul writes, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. That is not reap everlasting life in this sense, but reap the reward for which uh, we deserve, according to his grace and his goodness, for doing things for his name's sake. As I just said, Paul's point is simple here in verse 9. That is, do good for the sake of his name, and God will reward you one day for those deeds. Pleasing God, in this sense, is the priority, not man. But a secondary motivator is that God will reward you one day. Whether people notice you and your deeds in the present is not what matters. It's that you are doing it for his glory and honor and for his praise. Now, in the final verses of Paul's letter here, in verses 11 and following, Paul is addressing the pride in further detail. In these verses, Paul is summarizing his entire argument in the letter against the Judaizers by emphasizing the heart issue. What is that heart issue? It is the issue of pride. The issue of pride. Paul has addressed the the Galatians and the Judaizers all through this letter, noting that the Judaizers are seeking to promote themselves, that is, self-meritorious deeds, whereas Paul is instructing the Galatians to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, but walk in accordance to the, the new life which they have in Christ alone. That is, that their justification is rests solely upon the finished work of Christ, not self-meritorious deeds. Therefore, whatever good deeds they do, they do for the glory of God, not for themselves. But in the, in the situation of the Judaizers, they were doing things, that is, the, the external deeds to promote themselves, not the name of Christ. In verse 11, Paul says these things. He writes, See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, when the Galatians read this, these last final verses, these seven verses, they would have observed that Paul himself wrote these with his own hand. There are two indicators that Paul wrote them with his own hand. First, he says so in verse 11. At the end, he says, I have written to you with my own hand. 
It seems that Paul often used someone else, uh, someone that kind of acts as, acts as a scribe or a secretary to write his letters for him. That's Paul not, it wasn't always that Paul wrote out the whole letter himself, uh, but often used someone else. And this was common practice in this day for someone to uh, write a letter for someone else as they kind of dictated, so to speak, what they wanted to be written down. We see this in Romans chapter 16, uh, verse 22, uh, when a man identifies himself as being the writer for Paul. And there were other many times where Paul would sign his letters with his own hand as a means of authenticating the letter, as if, look, I myself uh, am a part of this letter. I am the one that dictated it, and I'm signing my hand. I'm authenticating this letter with my own hand, with my signature, to let you know that what has been written in this letter is uh, essentially my words. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 21, Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, 2 Thessalonians 13, 17, all instances where Paul mentions that he is writing there in that moment with his own hand, authenticating the letter and what he has said. The second indicator that Paul is also writing with his own hand and that the Galatians would recognize is that he points out that he is writing with large letters. You see this, see this at the beginning of verse 11. Paul writes, see with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. It could be that uh, Paul was using larger, perhaps we could say block writing, bold lettering, maybe how we would use today to indicate that what Paul is about to write is very important. And he wants the Galatians to, to think and to consider the final words, his final argument to the Galatians and to the Judaizers. And so he writes it with large letters, that is, large characters, large writing, to indicate the importance of what he's about to say. Others have surmised that perhaps he wrote with large letters because of uh, an eyesight problem, poor eyesight, and perhaps that's the case. We don't know specifically, but either way, uh, Paul points out that uh, for with two indicators, first that he says himself that he writes with his own hand, but also the fact that these large letters would stand out against what the rest of the letter would look like to indicate that he uh, is writing here specifically uh, to the Galatians with his own hand. Now, in verses 12 through 13, Paul points out the issue of the heart. That is what we said earlier, the issue of pride. And the the issue and the truth that we find here is that a man-centered pride focuses upon external reformation. That was the issue of the Judaizers. Their, their uh, Their whole Focus, their whole motivating factor was that they were focusing upon external reformation. The Judaizers were performing deeds that would make a good showing in the flesh. We see this in verse 12, where Paul writes, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised. In other words, these people, that is the Judaizers, from the outside would have looked like they were devout spiritual people. 
But Paul warns that the Galatians warns the Galatians that the Judaizers are motivated by the wrong purpose or for the wrong purpose. Again, as I said just a moment ago, this is the issue. They are man-centered in, in their desires and their focus. And because of this, this pride, this man-centered pride focuses upon external reformation instead of what's important. And Paul will get to this in a moment, what is, what is most important in the lives of the Galatians. We see this man-centered pride first by the fact that they pressure others to be circumcised. Look at verse 12 with me again, where Paul writes, As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these, that is, these who are making good showing in their flesh, would compel you to be circumcised, only that they would not suffer persecution for the sake, excuse me, for the cross of Christ. So in their man-centered pride, the Judaizers were pressuring the Galatians to be circumcised. The fact is the Judaizers, Judaizers wanted to impress other men by putting pressure upon the Galatians to become circumcised. And in this sense, to become circumcised under the Judaizers' influence would be equal to accepting their gospel message. Okay, I'm going to be circumcised. That means I'm identifying with them, with their message and the reason and the influence for which they want me to become circumcised. Adhering to that kind of gospel, lowercase gospel message of the Judaizers, would require the Galatians to become a Jew and act accordingly. And that's what the Judaizers wanted them to do. They wanted them to become just like them to be circumcised, to obey the law, to observe the Sabbath, all things which made them in their message specific and unique to them. However, the issue is there was no internal consideration. The Judaizers merely took issue with the fact that the professing Gentile Galatian believers were not circumcised as they were. And that was the issue. They didn't consider the internal matters of the heart, whether or not these were genuine believers who believed in God, who were God-fearing men and women. Rather, they took issue with the fact that they did not act like them. They were not circumcised. They did not act as a Jew. They were not Jews. The fact that they were doing this to make a good showing in the flesh indicates that their intentions were not centered on pleasing God. They were man-centered, as we just said a moment ago. They were focused upon pleasing others. A genuine believer, as Paul previously indicated in verse 9, does what is good for the good of others, the glory of God, and future reward, not the accolades from men. Let me say that again, just so we understand the difference here. A genuine believer, as Paul has indicated in verse 9, does what is good for the good of others, not for self-meritorious reasons. He does it for the glory of God and for his promise of future reward and not for the accolades of men. However, the Judaizers were focused upon the external reformation, the mere externals. What do I look like to others? What kind of persona do I portray? 
they focused upon merely the appearance of spirituality rather than focusing upon genuine transformation of the heart. Furthermore, we see that this the reason for uh, show, giving a good showing in the flesh, the reason for which they were doing all these things, pressuring the Gentiles to be circumcised, was for self-centered reasons. Look at the end of verse 12, where Paul writes, These would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. The Judaizers didn't care about the internal considerations of the Gentiles, the Galatians, whether or not they were true believers or not. They were only concerned about their safety in this sense, and that they wanted to avoid any persecution. Paul reveals in verse 12 that the real purpose that the Judaizers were pressuring the Gentile believers to become circumcised is because they were afraid of suffering persecution for the cross of Christ. For the cross of Christ, in this sense, it means because of it. You could read it in that way. Because of the cross of Christ, they didn't want to uh, be persecuted. That is, the Judaizers did not want to suffer trials because of any allegiance or, or association with the cross of Christ. Remember Galatians chapter 5, verse 11? There Paul mentions that if he, was, if he were preaching circumcision, he would certainly not be suffering persecution. Let me read that to you for a moment. Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. Where Paul writes, And I, brethren, if I still preached, preached circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. But the fact is, Paul was suffering persecution because of his allegiance, because of his identification with the cross. And this is the very thing that the Judaizers were seeking to avoid by pressuring the Gentiles to be circumcised. The Judaizers wanted to avoid suffering similar persecution to that which Paul was suffering. But we may ask ourselves this, why did they believe that they would face persecution if they accepted the Gentiles as they were, meaning not being circumcised, but only professing their faith and trust in Christ alone? Perhaps it's because there was something tolerable to the Jewish establishment about a follower of Christ, as long as that person, that follower of Christ, that is, kept the Jewish rules and regulations. So, okay, you know, we'll accept you, but here's the stipulations. We're not going to accept you solely on the basis that you are a follower of Christ. We need you to also fulfill these requirements as well, including circumcision and, and, and uh, appearance to the law and, and Jewish regulations. Why is that? Perhaps it was because they thought that it would help them maintain peace amongst the Jewish community and also their position as a stout men and Jewish leaders, as well as peace with the Roman government if they kept their orthodox ways and did not teach allegiance and identification with Christ, whom they put to death on the cross. And so in doing this, Paul exposes 
their real underlying reason for the pressure that the Judaizers were placing upon the Galatians. Telling them that the only reason for which they want you to become circumcised is for their own safety to avoid that kind of persecution that Paul was facing. They didn't want to suffer similar fates. So, as we consider this, perhaps we can think of a good test for ourselves. What do we do in order to avoid persecution? Or even simply just looking bad or out of line with the rest of society and their way of living. Whatever it may be, fill in the blank. If we would live godly in Christ, we should expect persecution and not shy away from it. Paul didn't avoid it. He embraced it. Not to puff himself up and to attract attention, but all for the sake of Christ and for the sake of those who would be called by his name. So in the man-centered kind of pride that the Judaizers had, they pressured the Gentiles to become circumcised first in order to avoid persecution, but also, secondly, so that they could boast in their deeds. We see this in verse 13. Paul here writes, For not even those who are circumcised, a.k.a. the Judaizers, keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Had the Judaizers been so concerned with, or been not so concerned with pleasing men in their own safety, they may have realized their own shortcomings when it came to the law. Recognizing that they themselves were not even fulfilling the law as they were encouraging, or can I say even requiring, the Gentile believers to do. Today we would call that a double standard. Saying one thing, but not even living it up, living up to that standard themselves. On the other hand, perhaps they did recognize their own shortcomings, but kept them hidden in secrecy and relied upon their external deeds such as, in this case, proselytizing the Galatians and getting them to become like them as a means of boasting in their own spirituality. But in their proselytizing efforts, they were calling people, as I just said a moment ago, to a standard that they themselves were unable to obtain to. And Paul points this out. He says, look, these very ones who are pressuring you to become circumcised they themselves can't keep the kind of law that they're calling you to keep recognize the double standard here so one they do it to avoid persecution secondly they pressured the gentiles to become circumcised in order to boast in their deeds and their proselytizing efforts and accomplishments and they do this to puff themselves up through these self-accomplishments. And that's primarily what they were focused upon. It wasn't upon glorifying the name of Christ. It wasn't upon glorifying the name of God. It was upon their self-accomplishments. They were basing their spirituality upon their effectiveness of winning over Galatians and to their side. And their actions were simply driven by pride and fear of persecution 
both self-centered motivations. There is an utter lack of concern for what glorifies God and pleases him in this situation. And pride has no rightful place in the life of a believer unless it is focused upon what the Lord has accomplished through and in them. In Romans chapter 2, verse 17 and 23, boasting in God and the law is done by those who are deceived about their real relationship to God. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, boasting is done in things one thinks he got for himself but really did not. Or James chapter 4, verse 16, taking pride in your own pretension that you have your life all planned out, whereas only God can order the steps of man. All of these are man-centered kind of prideful ideas, characteristics, and this has no rightful place in the life of a believer. Paul then is going to transition from the idea and the, the revealing aspect of the Judaizers' motivations with this idea. Whereas a man-centered pride focuses, uh, focuses upon external reformation, in verses 14 and 15, Paul is going to, the, to teach the Galatians that a cross-centered pride, a cross-centered pride focuses upon internal transformation. A cross-centered pride focuses upon internal transformation which inevitably will lead to external actions that please God and are not focused upon self or man-centered pleasing. Let me just read for you verses 14 through 15 so that you understand the context, and we won't cover them in specific this evening. But look with me and follow along as I read verse 14. Paul writes there, but here we see a transition from what's just been said to what Paul is going to state. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's pointing out here, look, the Judaizers are boasting in themselves. They have a man-centered pride that's focused merely upon the externals. But I tell you this, Galatians, if I'm going to boast, I can only boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. God forbid that I should boast in anything else. That's what Paul is saying. By whom, in verse 14, Paul writes, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew that's circumcised. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile who's uncircumcised. That matters nothing at all. It has no power. It has no significance at all. What has significance? What has transforming power? What does the end of verse 15 say? But a new creation. A new creation. A cross-centered pride focuses upon internal transformation, not merely the externals, not merely external reformation. 
And so next time we're going to look at verses 14 and 15, where Paul points out that an internal transformation is a result of Christ's finished work on the cross. We see this in verse 14. It also is a result of the crucifixion to the world, that is, Paul to the world, as well as a crucifixion of the world to Paul or to the believer. Put your name in there. In fact, let me read 14 and 15 or 14 again and, and, and put yourself in that in your plate in your plate in the place of Paul. But God forbid that I, Jansen, should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to Jansen and Jansen to the world. You put your name in there. And so as we close this evening, uh, I hope we consider that idea that there is nothing in in and of ourselves that we can boast in. Rather, we boast in the cross of Christ and what it has accomplished from an internal perspective. Exuding itself into things which glorify God, of course, manifest themselves in good deeds, but not for the glory of self, but the glory of God. Let's pray this evening as we close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and now that we've had in your word. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be able to uh, fully and properly capture what Paul is teaching the Galatians here as he closes his letter to them. Lord, pointing out the flaws of the mindset and the perspective of the Judaizers and those who were self-centered, man-pleasing in their efforts and in their motivations. Whereas Paul, with a pure heart and pure motive, sought to glorify the name of Christ, not boasting in his efforts, not boasting in those whom he had shared the gospel with, the Galatians included, but boasting in the finished work of Christ on the cross. May that be our boast, our Lord, what we take glory and pride in in our lives as we continue this week and as we proclaim the name of Christ in all that we do. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.